Welcome to the Average Joe Jiu-Jitsu Podcast, episode 15. I'm sitting here with Giovanni Z. Figueroa Giuliani. Uh, Giovanni is a purple belt in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. He started training BJJ in Muay Thai in 2010 under Vidi Vasquez and Juan Delgado out of Combat 360 in Puerto Rico. He currently trains in Austin, Texas at Val BJJ under Ryan Villalobos. Uh, actually starts for uh, Valley of the Wolf. Uh, Giovanni has a bachelor's in exercise science and health promotion and a doctorate in physical therapy and specializes in strength and conditioning, injury reduction, and rehab for combat athletes. He has a special interest in how the balance between training and recovery optimizes performance and longevity in the sport. Uh, thank you for being here with me today, Giovanni. I appreciate you coming on and talking to me. Yeah. And uh, being on the podcast. Awesome. So tell me about, uh, tell us about yourself and how'd you get started in martial arts and physical therapy work? Yeah, yeah. I basically started martial arts uh, at a very young age. Did traditional martial arts mm-hmm. wasn't really for me. Like, mm-hmm. like, I got bored with it really quickly. Mm-hmm. So I jumped over to. Um, I started searching for something more. I started doing uh, a little bit of Muay Thai and, ju- and Jiu Jitsu in Puerto Rico. Mm-hmm. Actually, started more with the Muay Thai, and then um, as I started doing more and more Jiu Jitsu, they were like, "Oh, you're good at this. Come on, just do right. it more." Right. Less injuries. You can compete mm-hmm. more. So <laughs> decided to do more more of that as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and just jump between both of them for a while. Um, had some injuries here and there. Um, so didn't really know how to work with them correctly. So towards maybe six years into jujitsu and, and Muay Thai, I had to slow things down a little bit. Okay. Um, that's when my interest in physical therapy sort of started coming more into play i mm-hmm. started studying physical therapy mm-hmm. uh, my doctorate in physical therapy and learned a lot more about injuries about rehab and all those things and uh, then i moved over here to texas where i'm at right now and because mm-hmm. of that that move continuing to study and work and then COVID, uh i uh i had to stop training for a bit and okay. now i've slowly started back up now that things are opening back up mm-hmm. but uh yeah that's yeah. where i'm at right now yeah, COVID smashed me too. I took the whole year off from training for a year. And I'm I'm I've been I've been training now for a while again. I don't know what is it? It's October. So probably a good six months again, or or more. But you know, about since April. But yeah, it I took the whole year off and it was it was rough. It was really rough. Uh, not being able to do jujitsu for that long, but I get that. So so you did Muay Thai for, for six years, you said? I did both of them really for really together. About- yeah. Yeah, I did it from consistently from 2010 to, to mm-hmm. it was more than actually mm-hmm. 2010 to 2017. Mm-hmm. Then in um, 2015, 16 was when I started my DPT. Mm-hmm. About that time was when I started having to slow down because okay. of shoulder injuries and, right. and back injuries and stuff like that. And did you? I'm sorry. What, what, what do you think was the primary factor or driving force behind those two injuries? Um, so, some of the stuff that we talked about before, really, I mm-hmm. wasn't respecting the intensity mm-hmm. I, that I was going at and mm-hmm. the recovery that I, um, the recovery that I needed in order to continue to perform. Okay. I, uh, I thought I could go full throttle in the gym, thought mm-hmm. I could go full throttle on the mats mm-hmm. and sleep three hours and, you know, eat chocolate and mm-hmm. ice cream and pizza. And that right. was enough, you know? <laughs> right. Right. 
It's just calories. I just need calories. Yeah, yeah. 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 Calories in, calories out, yeah. and that's fine. And yeah. yeah. And uh, I think those were the huge driving factors. Nice. Among other stuff, you know. Yeah. Pain is yeah. very complex. Yeah. Yeah. I know. Pain, pain sucks. I, I actually, this morning I was training. I was just grilling just guard breaks and my knee popped again. My right knee. So I have this knee that it's like, if you, I don't know if you have this, you might have some kind of thing that's just chronic, but like my right knee, if I, if the knee compresses too far or there's certain pressure, it just, it pops my, you know, my knee pops and it's all right now. It doesn't really hurt anymore. And it just hurt for a little bit, but I just took it easy for the rest of the class and I still trained, but I'm okay now, but it just seems like a reoccurring chronic type thing in my knee and it drives me nuts, but it's. So it's painful when it pops it? Just for a second. Just for a second? It's just for a second. And then after that, it's like, it might, it might be a little tight sometimes, but, and then it goes away after a little while and it's the end of it. But, um, I, I, does it ever get like get stuck or anything like that? No, never got stuck. No, I have a friend who had that problem. He ended up getting a surgery. Yeah. He was, Yeah. yeah, he got screwed up from that. Actually, we were both, uh, shit we're going for we're going for purple belts we were we were uh we were both blue belts we'd come up together and we knew that you know that the um i think it was purple belt but yeah but we knew that the uh our test was coming up and we were preparing for it and he was having a lot of knee injury or a lot of issues with his knee but he kept pushing off because he knew that thing was that belt test was coming so he waited and he got, and we got the belts and then he immediately went to his doctor and scheduled the surgery and got the surgery done. Mm. And then he was a beast about the, about the, um, about the uh, therapy. And he was back on the mats and like, I think like two months or maybe less. That's awesome. Yeah. And he's still doing it. I mean, he's had some other injuries now since then, but he's, again, he just does the therapy and gets back out there and he's my age too. You know, he's an older guy. Do you um, recall what type of surgery he had? Or I want to say meniscus. Yeah. I it sounds like a, if he was back on the mats in a couple of months, it sounds mm-hmm. like maybe a meniscectomy. So they yeah. cut off a piece of that. Meniscus. Right. right. Yeah. That's sort of like, I think that's what, um, I don't know exactly. I don't know what, what, what he decided on, but um, uh, Nikki Ryan, when he messed up his knee a couple months ago, I think mm-hmm. he was, he was talking about having it just removed, like having yeah. the, the tendon taken out. Do you know, do you ever hear anything? I haven't heard. I haven't need to check. I know. Mm-hmm. Um, I know Ethan got, um, uh, knee surgery as well mm-hmm. um but um actually i think nikki ryan was in vow a couple of weeks ago mm-hmm. oh, was uh, he doing, yeah yeah i did some leg locks but i didn't i wasn't there that day i was like really the day that i missed timing <laughs> timing <laughs> timing because we were time. talking everybody i mean the listeners don't know but we've been talking offline for a while and actually giovanni lived in puerto rico for a while and trained at the gym where they were the where the dds was training at but not at the same time he was there before they were there about a year and a half before and then now he lives in austin so i was like well you know if you had a chance to go over there and train with them and i don't know are you going to you're going to try oh i i might try i might try because actually a few of them do go to val mm-hmm. sometimes i uh-huh. guess since they're setting things up still right so I, I think for the B team, you have to apply and stuff like that, mm-hmm. apparently. Yeah, I, I heard know. that too. Yeah, I heard that too. You have to apply. Yeah, yeah. they're they in like a little strip mall. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But the thing is that they, the school that I trained in in Puerto Rico, mm-hmm. from, is, I've been there since 2010. I'm right. really good friends with the owner. Mm-hmm. Um, he's, a, he's a super good guy, Juan, Juan Degado. Mm-hmm. He's just one of the nicest guys in the world. Mm-hmm. And when they went to Puerto Rico, that they were having problems finding a building because right, finding that. a building in Puerto Rico is yeah. 
a pain in the ass. It's horrible. Mm -hmm. Um, people hooked them up with Wang so mm -hmm. they could train somewhere. Right. And he opened his doors to them. You know, this mm -hmm. is when COVID, the COVID restrictions in Puerto Rico are still very strict, apparently. Really? Okay. And um, you know, but he he was able to work things, you know. I, I don't know nice. exactly what, nice. but yeah, yeah. to help them out. You know how you uh -huh. know how some people do. Yeah, yeah. But um, and they all became, you know, pretty close, pretty good friends. Um, and my brother's a professional photographer and mm -hmm. he took pictures of uh Ethan. Nice. um and stuff like that and they they also train together here and uh -huh. there apparently i don't know uh -huh. but uh my, he told my brother like hey if you ever come to texas to visit your brother to visit me just right. let me know you can train him with the b team with us uh -huh. over here i was like really he's inviting you that's not fair I'm that's not, i don't want to go either yeah. <laughs> <laughs> my brother's like no you can't go you're not allowed <laughs> like, really? yeah, so. that's messed up man yeah oh shit <laughs> no that yeah it's sort of hurt you have to apply to get in and mm -hmm. so forth but yeah that would be i mean i i envy you for the having the opportunity that you might be able to you know get in there and get a little training in with with one of those two groups um, i'm gonna i'm gonna buy a ticket for my brother have him come over here and just piggyback of off of his and going over there there you go just walk in behind him just walk yeah. in yeah yeah See, I'm, I'm his interpreter right he speak <laughs> the thing is he we're seven years apart he's seven years older than me uh -huh. but um we look like people think we're twins all the time like nice. we look a lot alike, so I could just pretend I'm him or something. Just like take that. his driver's know. license when he's sleeping. Yeah. <laughs> and just go in there to say you're him. Yeah, that'd yeah. be awesome. That'd be awesome. Um, so I digress. You know, I kicked us totally off subject, but so, so do you still do Muay Thai or just do Jiu Jitsu? I do do Muay Thai now in uh, Bao as well. They mm -hmm. started a class there recently mm -hmm. and I'm doing it a little bit, but more, more than anything, I want to get back consistently into jujitsu mm -hmm. compete in jujitsu again mm -hmm. i feel like um sadly my my prime years mm -hmm. i spent them out of jujitsu and mm -hmm. rehabbing injuries and not knowing what the hell i was doing so i want to go back in there and do a little bit more of that with the knowledge that i've gained from all the studies and you know doing all that so yeah awesome I mean, if there. you don't mind how old are you if I, you don't mind me i'm 35 so yeah, you're young I know, I know, I know. <laughs> I mean, but you know how they say, you know, you know. I know, but it, you're still, you're young. You're still. That's why I want to, I want to, honestly, I, if I compete, when I compete again, I want, if I compete in IBJJF, mm -hmm. I want to, I want to compete in adult. I also want to yeah. compete in masters, but I want to mm -hmm. do both, you know. No, you're still, you're still at the right age to do that. I mean, you're yeah. still, I mean, you're only five years into masters. So you're, yeah. you know, I, I'm, I'm 50, so I have to, I'm like, I'm like my last year of master four. And, and I'll tell you before the pandemic, like I, I competed a lot during white and blue belt and then I got purple belt. And then it got to the point where it's like, I couldn't even get a bracket. It was like, there just aren't that many, I guess there aren't that many 50 year old purple belts who want to compete right now, you know, or, or back then. And so it was really, the first year was pretty difficult just trying to compete. I just really didn't compete very much. I didn't compete at all. Actually. I just went and helped coach in tournaments and stuff with my team that I was with at the time. And um, and then right before the pandemic hit the actual shutdowns, I actually was scheduled to be, and I still paid for it. I still, they sold my money, but I was going to do Jiu-Jitsu World League uh, tournament here in Santa Clara there where I actually had a bracket. And I was like, oh, cool. I actually got a bracket. I'm going to do this. And then it got shut down because of the turn as the uh, pandemic. And there's been nothing since. Um, so I'm, I'm basically at the point now with, but even with the pandemic, I'm still not totally comfortable about competing right now, being in a room with that many people. Yeah. Um, so I might wait a little bit and then go back. But if I have to, you know, I might have to go just go down an age. 
I mean, it's just all there is to it. Or, you know, if you want to get enough matches to make it worth your money, I mean, I don't want to pay 150 bucks and have one match. It sucks. I've gone, I've yeah. done that way too many times. I just don't like doing that. Um, it's almost like I always thought, like, well, crap, I could spend 25 bucks going open mat at a gym I don't train at, turn with a whole bunch of people that I don't know. Mm. And it's almost like a tournament. You know, it's like the same kind of thing, the same kind of nerves. You don't know who they are, you don't know what they're going to do to you. So I've been more more along the lines lately of doing that, but I do want to compete again. I really do. Yeah. And uh, I don't know if you've ever noticed it, but like I remember when I was a white and blue belt watching watching the other white and blue belts compete, it was always like real savage. It was just like you know, it was out for blood, right? But then you watch the purple belts, and it was like mellow compared to that. Yeah. You know, it was like I was like I want to go compete with those guys because those guys are pretty mellow, and they're just trying to use technique, and it looks like jujitsu, and it's cool. And you know, so I'm actually affording able to do that one day, hopefully. You know, yeah. but, you know, we'll see what happens. But- yeah, it's, it's fun. I mean, um, and I think, I think jujitsu, sometimes my thoughts is that we have too many brackets or mm-hmm. too many, too many like master one, master two, master right. three. Yeah. And I, I get it. And at the same time, it's like, I wish they had a little bit less for that reason. Cause you're not the first person that I've heard mm-hmm. um, state that they have that problem. Even at mm-hmm. brown belt and black belt, I have friends that compete yeah. at brown belt and black belt and they have the same issue. And they're like, mm-hmm. You know, I'm paying like from Puerto Rico, mm-hmm. I'm paying six, seven hundred dollars for a ticket plus mm-hmm. hotel, mm-hmm. plus the actual competition mm-hmm. to fight with one guy or maybe right. two guys. Right. You know? Yeah. Um, it sucks. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so especially have, if you go to, well, like if you go to, and like I've never gone, but you've ever been to Worlds? I had, that's what I was going to say. I have a yeah. few friends that have gone to the world. One that a guy that I was helping train cut mm-hmm. weight for the Worlds, he, um, he did the Worlds. When was the, when was the Worlds Masters? It was just no, uh, no it hasn't no, happened. Wait, wait, wait. It's, it's in November. No. There was it's a in... there was a what was the one that just happened? Uh that was in worlds. September. That was worlds. That was just regular worlds. Yeah, so no, he went masters in November. Yeah. So he went to that one and again he or he went to one of those. I don't I can't remember, but he was gonna compete in that and he's gonna compete now in November. Mm-hmm. Um but when he went, he's like, yeah, I fought against two people and he's a black belt. And he's like, mm-hmm. I paid, I paid money. He went to, it was in Orlando. Mm-hmm. I paid money. I did all these things, blah, mm-hmm. blah. And it's like, I fought against two people or whatever. And he actually yeah. fought against just one person. Cause he got injured after the first fight. It was like, ah, oh, see, and that's the thing is, you know, like, or you have like these brackets where it's like, you're, you lose your first match. You're instantly eliminated and you spend all that money doing it. It's just, yeah, I know. Yeah. But yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's uh, yeah, but November is going to be Masters World. I have a friend of mine who's who's actually the same guy I was telling you about the knee. He's he's going to compete in Master Worlds. Um, That's cool. In November, yeah. So it should be pretty good. Yeah, it's the one in Vegas right now in November. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It used to always be in August, and now I guess they moved it because because probably COVID related or something. I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> but so everything's COVID related now, right? So yeah, exactly. So. <laughs> The world is dominated by COVID. It is. It is. If you think about it, it is. <laughs> everything. Yep. Everything. It controls everything right now. It really yeah. does. It really does. Kind of so scary. Yeah. It does. It is scary. It, I mean, I'm not as nearly as scared of it as I used to be. Mm-hmm. I mean, and, and, and like I've said this before on this podcast, so I don't mind saying it again. I'm a freaking hypochondriac, or at least I have hypochondriac tendencies. And so when this whole thing started, can you imagine being a hypochondriac in a pandemic? It's not pretty. It's not pretty. It's not pretty. <laughs> so, you know, it's like there was a while before you know the vaccination started and everything where I was just like, I was pretty probably, I know I was, it was hard to live with my family. Was hard. I was hard to live with, but you know, but now I'm at the point where it's like, okay, I got vaccinated and I've done all that. And hopefully those things work, but I've just gotten on with life. I've just sort of like, I try to be safe, but not be crazy about it. You know? Yeah. At yeah. first I was, I was worried, but 
I was working the entire time throughout COVID mm. in a mm. clinic, mm. in a clinic and in a hospital. I was mm. working with post COVID patients. Yeah. I was working until July, August of 2020 mm-hmm. with no July, June of 2020 without a mask in the clinic. They weren't mm. doing temperature checks, nothing. Really? We were working with the patients right there. Wow. I remember there was, there was one patient that came to me. I worked with her. She was coughing a little bit. She's like, oh, I'm just, I just have allergies or whatever. She's like <laughs> coughing right in my face. Okay. <laughs> then her next, that was on a Monday. Her next uh-huh. appointment was on a Wednesday. She called and canceled the appointment because she said that her pot, her partner came out positive with COVID. So she had to get tested. And I was like, I was like, really? Nothing. Nice. I, didn't, I, didn't, I came out negative, but still, I was yeah, like, really? Yeah. Like, yeah. I had a couple, I had a couple of close spells too. I had my, like my, uh, my oldest daughter's 17 and one of her friends spent the night. Uh, it was like in 2020, it was in like probably October. I can't remember the exact month, but it's probably around October of 2020. She spent the night and they were working. They used to work together and they went to work the next day. And then their friend went home sick, not feeling well, having a stomach ache, blah, 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 blah. She goes and gets tested. She comes back positive. And I'm like, son of a bitch. I'm like, you know, that's exactly what I'm talking about. You know, this is why I'm getting <laughs> so crazy. Right. So, so then uh, my, my daughter had to quarantine for five days in a room by herself and go get tested. She was negative. So we were okay. But it's just stuff like that. Yeah. Where you're like, you don't know. And, and yes, yeah. it's, it's crazy. It's but just, yeah. Doing what you can. Yeah. I'm hoping, I'm hoping we're sort of at the tail end of this and it'll just maybe another year and hopefully it'll be gone and, or at least yeah. more manageable and controllable. And we'll go from there and see what happens. Yeah, exactly. Um, I think it's just a learning thing like everything else. Um, so one of the things you and I wanted to talk about was recovery tracking. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. I know this is, this is how our, how our friendship started. <laughs> this is the topic. Yeah. I, I asked you about that. You're like, what, mm-hmm. what, what exactly do you mean by that? <laughs> yeah. Cause I, Hey, recovery is reported to me. I'm old now. And mm-hmm. it's like, that's, that's what I feel like gets me the most is like just the ability to like go train for real, you know, four days a week or whatever, and then try to get some strength conditioning in. Plus have my, you know, my, my regular job and, and my family and everything else goes along in life and all the different stressors. I mean, every, like you've said, everything is a stress. Your body doesn't know the difference, right? Mm-hmm. It doesn't know whether between training or just job related stuff or whatever, everything stresses you out, you know, or, or is a stress in your body. So I, I was hoping you could share, you know, what you think is important as far as recovery tracking and how to optimize recovery and know when to do it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, um, well, it all comes down to stress. Stress is stress for the body, like you said. Mm-hmm. Um, and your body uses the same energy sources to manage all types of stresses, mm-hmm. whether it's mental, emotional, social, or the physical stress that you put on your body. Mm-hmm. So we have to always remember that, you know, sometimes mm-hmm. um, we have a hard day at work. So mm-hmm. we want to go like a very stressful day at work. So we mm-hmm. want to go and hit the gym really hard because mm-hmm. we're frustrated because we had a bad day at work or something like that. Mm-hmm. And even though we feel tired, stressed out, all that stuff, maybe our recovery isn't the best. We still want to go super hard because we, we just want to feel that. Right. And, and not saying that we shouldn't do that, you know, but we have to take into consideration that little factor that stress is mm-hmm. stress. And mm-hmm. um, like, the last time I injured my back really bad or not really, but fairly bad was because I had a day like that. Mm. I had a day like that. It was just a shitty day at work. Mm. Um, and just, I went into the gym, my stomach was a little bit off cause I mm. wasn't eating properly that day. Mm-hmm. And, um, I decided to, to still do deadlifts and it was, I was warming up still. It wasn't even my working set. Mm. I was warming up. My stomach was off. I put the belt on and I was like, 
I'm just not feeling right. I was like, no, I'm still going to do this. Mm -hmm. And I went, I did, it was six, it was six, uh, six reps. I don't remember how many, how, how heavy it was. I think it was 365, something like that. Right. And, um, at rep number five, I was doing good. I felt a little bit tightness in my back. I went for rep, rep number six and pop, you know, in my back. I, I just felt that loud, loud pop in my mind automatically went into, you know, into, uh, into fear mode, you know, mm -hmm. I was like, oh shit, why did mm -hmm. I do this? Right. And then I calmed down you know, and I did the stuff that I knew that I should do. And, you know, it was a, a recovery period of a few months of me working on it. You know, I tweaked my mm -hmm. back, mm -hmm. but, um, but that's what happens sometimes, you know, that's mm -hmm. why it's important, even though we want to train as hard as we can all the time to mm -hmm. recognize that we also need to uh, recover hard as well. Right. And uh, the two big things that people use for tracking recovery are resting heart rate and uh, heart rate variability, HRV. Mm -hmm. um, basically, your resting heart rate is your heart rate at rest, you know, when, without any activity mm -hmm. and your heart rate variability is basically the variability between beats of your heart. You know, we think that maybe beats of the heart are like a metronome where it just goes consistent, mm -hmm. but it, it actually varies. It varies a little bit. Mm -hmm. And there's technology right now that, that helps measure this very sensitive uh, measurement mm -hmm. of HRV. And, um, you probably seen it like Morpheus whoop the Fitbit does it as well, different mm. things like that. Mm. And it's not so much about measuring it. And if the numbers come out bad, then I can't train. It's not necessarily mm. that mm. it's just, again, bringing a little bit of extra awareness as to where you're at. And if you might need to modify one or two things in your training load or volume mm -hmm. based on what you're seeing, or if you can continue doing what you're doing, but be mindful of the fact that you might not be in a, uh, in a state that is optimal for, for that training at that point in time. Mm -hmm. um, for example, if you have a high HRV, mm -hmm. um, a high HRV can be anything over 70 uh, beats, right? Mm -hmm. Um, then that high HRV is an indicator that you're more in a parasympathetic state. So you're more in a recovery or anabolic state where your body's going through this recovery period. Mm -hmm. If you are in a more, in a lower HRV, then it might be an indicator you're more in a, um, catabolic state or in a sympathetic state where your body is more focused on stress management, fight or flight. Okay. So, so for example, if I wake up in the morning, measure, mm -hmm. measure my HRV, and it mm -hmm. gives me a low number, and it indicates that I am um, in a more of a stress management uh, catabolic state, and I'm going to go train a heavy single today mm -hmm. on squats or whatever, mm -hmm. then it might be that it's just that I, not that I can't do it, but it's just, I have to realize then it's going to take me even longer to recover from that. Right. Than if I was at a higher HRV or a higher, um, you know, a higher number there in that HRV. So that's the key with that. It's just mm -hmm. knowing how to read those numbers and what they can mean and how you can modify your training if need be based on that. I know okay. I, I gave you a lot there, but yeah. <laughs> no, it's good. It's good. So let's go back to that squat example. So you were saying, you know, if it, come, if it comes out high, that means you're under more stress. You, you know, you're supposed to do... Uh, a one rep max or whatever that day. 
could you, so does that mean you either expect less of your actual numbers or maybe you just say, I'm just going to do something different that's less intense? Well, so if, so there's a baseline number, right? Mm -hmm. um, and there's a, you have like a baseline HRV number that you get mm -hmm. through and mm -hmm. you're going to get that over testing your HRV um, every day mm -hmm. uh, for the next, let's say two weeks or so. And mm -hmm. that gives you a good, a good graph that you can look at. Mm -hmm. um, if it's a little bit under that number, mm -hmm. then okay, maybe you don't have to modify enough, a lot. Mm -hmm. You just have to recognize that you might take a little bit more time to recover later on, you know? Right. right. But for example, if I'm, let's give you some actual numbers. If, if I'm at an 80 HRV mm -hmm. on my baseline, usually, mm -hmm. um, and then all of a sudden one day I'm at a 40, like mm -hmm. what happened to me today, today I'm at a 40, which is a huge drop in HRV. I think, I honestly think it took the numbers wrong. My, my thing, I, mm -hmm. I, I just, I didn't do much. <laughs> that's that's a huge drop. Yeah. yeah. So I was like, I was like, but I took today as a recovery day, you know, mm -hmm. luckily it was a recovery day anyways, mm -hmm. but I just mm -hmm. was more mindful of that. But for example, right. if that happens on a max training day that I'm working at, right. Mm -hmm. Then um, if it drops from an 80 to a 40, at that point, I might consider avoiding that heavy load that mm -hmm. day mm -hmm. and switching things around and maybe doing more of a recovery type of workout, a little bit more aerobic mobility. Mm -hmm. If it's such a huge drop, mm -hmm. um, especially if you're a higher level athlete or a athlete that performs, that trains a lot, like mm -hmm. what happens to jujitsu, we usually train four or five, six times a week, mm -hmm. plus the strength training, like you said, mm -hmm. um, it might be good to do that mm -hmm. because these lower HRV numbers do correlate a little bit with in some studies with increased increased risk of injuries. Mm. So it's just something to consider, you know. Again, it's a guide. It's not necessarily that I have to stop if I am like this way. If there's a little bit of variability in that number of that baseline, mm. but if it's a huge variability, yeah, at that point I would tell a person just switch it up. It's not it's not worth it for mm. that day. Mm. You know. Yeah, I mean, I've never tracked numbers before, but I but I will go off of how I feel. I try to. I try to get two or three days of strength conditioning in on, a, you know, three days a week would be awesome. I mean, that'd be like mm. exceptional, but I try to get like two, sometimes it's only one it just depends on how I feel, but I've had days where uh, I'll go in and I'm supposed to squat or deadlift or whatever. And I'm just not feeling it at all. It's like, I'm not in the mood. I don't want to be there. I'm like totally like looking for every excuse in the world not to do this. And sometimes I'll listen and I'll like do a couple like warmups and they feel really shitty and heavy i'll just say you know what i'm not doing it today and i'll stop and i'll come back the next day and have a great workout so i guess i've done that to a degree at some point uh i just never tracked it so i i'm really interested in tracking it to see how that works that's that's pretty uh interesting yes uh, yeah. yeah and with that like for example with your rpe like mm -hmm. um if if you're lifting 300 and deadlift or something mm -hmm. like that mm -hmm. and it's normally like an rpe I don't know, an RP six, mm -hmm. but today, for whatever reason, it feels like an RP eight or nine, yeah. it goes up by two, three points. Mm -hmm. Like you said, that's a good mm -hmm. indicator. Eh, today, I might be a little bit off, you know, right, right. we can't always base it on how we feel. Cause I'm sure you've had days too, where you feel like crap and you go in and you hit a new PR. Or something yeah, like I that. have, I had a great workout. So you're like, Oh, I'm glad I did yeah. this. You know, I, <laughs> you know, I'm even pissed if I hadn't done this. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's true. I was yeah. thinking about that too. Like, as you were saying, as you know, as I was saying that and you were responding that yeah i've had days like that where yeah you don't feel that's why to them. that's why that warm-up that you're talking about like hey let me mm -hmm. let me go through some warm-up sets see how i feel mm -hmm. and based on that as you're acclimatizing okay mm -hmm. I, I can adjust if need be 
you right. know? Right. Um, but if you feel shitty at the beginning and then you start warming up and I'm feeling better, mm-hmm. all right, let's go for it. But right. if you feel crappy, then, hey, you have your option to adjust it. Mm-hmm. This is just another measure that you can see. Mm-hmm. Uh, the HRV really in the, in the heart rate um, in reserve, or not the heart rate reserve, that's another one. Mm-hmm. The resting heart rate are two measures that you can see on a daily basis to sort of see where you're, where you're at on that day based mm-hmm. on the overall, but also to see your overall uh, fitness, how it's trending over mm-hmm. the 30 days, 60 mm-hmm. days, you can mm-hmm. sort of see when you, when you have enough data, mm-hmm. you can sort of start seeing if you're going into a little bit of overtraining or something like that, you know, mm-hmm. and then it gives you a little bit of a time to adjust. And for that, maybe I need to do a deload week. Maybe I need to adjust volume or intensity a little bit, you know, mm-hmm. based on that. Mm-hmm. So it gives you that type of scope, uh, you know, um, broad view of what you can do too, which is kind of cool. It's sort of mm-hmm. like, it's sort of like, you know, weighing yourself every morning, you know, uh, you know how it is when you're bodybuilding and stuff like that, mm-hmm. you weigh yourself in mm-hmm. the morning with no food, completely naked. Mm-hmm. And it's basically the same, like the same rule for this. You do it in the morning, mm-hmm. you know, before you eat, before you eat in the exact same position, mm-hmm. HRV is extremely sensitive. Mm-hmm. So you can't, you can't do it standing one day and then laying down the other day. Even if mm-hmm. you lay down on your side and lay down face up, it can mm-hmm. change your measurements, you know? Wow. Really? Yeah. Cause it's so sensitive with that. That's why mm-hmm. there's some HRV trackers mm-hmm. that um, give you HRV for the entire day. Mm-hmm. And then like, it's always tracking it. And then it gives you like an average score of the day. And that's, that's BS because mm. um, it's like tracking your weight throughout the entire day. You know, it doesn't mm. really work as well. It's, it's just overkill. It's not necessary. Um, but yeah, it, it gives you that, it gives you that overview for your training as far as recovery. Which, which method do you use to, to track it? Do you, or what do you prefer? I use, right. I use the Morpheus. I have it somewhere around here. I use the Morpheus okay. from uh, Joel Jameson. Mm-hmm. Um, so the Morpheus, I'll, I'll give you a quick review. Okay. I have my likes and my dislikes about it. <laughs> okay. um, I like that. It's very, just very straight to the point. This is what mm-hmm. it does. Mm-hmm. And that's also what I don't like about it okay. because it tracks your HRV and it tracks, it gives you a recovery score on your phone and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, you have to attach it to other apps to order see to in order to see like some of your um like your steps for the day your calories burned and stuff Mm -hmm. like that Mm -hmm. so it doesn't give you that all in one Mm -hmm. but at the same time it uses that information to track your recovery Mm -hmm. so if you have like a garmin or an apple watch or a fitbit that you're using for those type of things Mm -hmm. then you connect it to the app and it takes that information and puts it all together um it's a lot more sensitive because of that, since it just focuses on that. Mm-hmm. So I, I combine it with my Garmin and that's mm-hmm. how I, I do it. Okay. But um, it's, it's created by Joel Jameson. I don't know if you've ever heard him. No, I haven't. I have now, but I'm going to look it up. Yeah. So he, he was Demetrius Johnson, um, uh, Mighty Mouse's strength and conditioning. Okay. Coach. Yeah. Yeah. And he trained a whole bunch of other UFC guys too, but mm-hmm. that's, that's the main guy that, that everybody knows him for. Okay. And he created this specifically to work with MMA athletes, oh, nice. um, a while back before it was BioForce, I believe mm-hmm. it was called. And then mm-hmm. he created the Morpheus system. Okay. Um, the other one that there is, this really, really good is whoop. But whoop. the problem with, yeah, whoop. 
And Whoop tracks everything together. It's very mm-hmm. robust. And you, mm-hmm. it even has wearable garments that you can use with, with Jiu-Jitsu. Mm-hmm. Like it, it's a, it's, you can detach the, the actual thing and put it in the wearable garment and it's very protected. Mm-hmm. So you can actually use it. So you can, you can check your heart rate while you're training in Jiu-Jitsu nice. and stuff like that. Nice. And you can train at different intensities and stuff like mm-hmm. that. And it's easier to do that with the Whoop. Okay. Um, but the Whoop, the thing that I don't like about it, it's um, it's you pay basically like $300 for the first year mm-hmm. or 300 and something. I don't remember what it is. Mm-hmm. And then after that, you, they send it, they send you the whoop, but you're trying, you're paying the $300 membership and the whoop is like added on. And then basically you have to, after that first year, I think you have to renew like monthly or yearly in order to be able to keep the whoop for all the features of everything for their website. And everything. so it's like, it's a weird system. It is, it is. If you have the money and if you, you, you're real, you're like a high level athlete. Yeah. Go for it. Yeah. But something like this or the fit, it can do just as much in a lot of ways mm-hmm. um and it is very useful as well yeah yeah i mean that's my thing i mean i that's even though with this whole majority of this podcast is really geared towards like average people like myself and i'm not a professional athlete i'm not spending that kind of money to track my heart rate but you know it's it's the first one though the, the morpheus that sounds like a pretty cool thing i might check that out yeah, yeah. and the morpheus is like 140 bucks and that's it you know mm-hmm. yeah and, and it is good. Honestly, mm-hmm. it is. Mm-hmm. And the guy, the guy, the guy does, he has a lot of information on your, on the website about mm-hmm. it all. Mm-hmm. And it's really good. It is. Mm-hmm. Nice. Um, cool. You had asked me about, um, about like what I think are the most important things for recovery. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely sleep. Yes. Sleep. And I mean, it's, it goes down to the basis, right? Like mm-hmm. we want, we, sometimes we want like, wow, what's the big secret. And mm-hmm. sadly there isn't much, man. Like it's yeah. sleep, nutrition, mm-hmm. and, and hydration are the big three, you know, mm-hmm. and managing your training load the best way you can, you know, your mm-hmm. stressors in life, not just training in the gym or on the mats, but stressors mm-hmm. in life, mm-hmm. those big four things. If you can master those, it pays huge dividends so you can recover good and then go, go back and, and train, uh, train hard again. Mm-hmm. So, but, uh, yeah, I, I mean, I try to get, now I try to get like eight hours of sleep a night. That's my, that's my target. I don't always get it, but you know, I do get that. And you know, what, what do you, what do you do for, for a diet? What's your, like, what kind of diet do you follow? What do you I, I tried a little bit of everything, right? Mm-hmm. I tried to, I jumped around a bit. Uh, right now, I really just try to keep it balanced. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't want to complicate it because I, I tried to do a little bit of intermittent fasting, some mm-hmm. different things. And I mm-hmm. did it for a bit, like most people did it for mm-hmm. a bit. And then, mm-hmm. you know, um, then I just, you know, it fell apart for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. So definitely, I just try to do, try to keep it balanced, get my, you know, my 50% more or less of carbs, my 20, 30 of proteins and my fats, my twenties fats as well. I, I, nothing sexy, nothing mm-hmm. super. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just, I, I want to keep it as simple as possible. So I, I don't overcomplicate it in that way with, with any different diets and just try to keep a good balance of, of the vegetables, the fruits. Um, there's this, I don't know if you ever heard of intuitive dieting. I have, but I'm not, I'm not really familiar with it. I've heard the term, but yeah. 
so it's it's this thing with it's a little bit newer but basically mm-hmm. it's more of the idea of moving away from counting so much your calories and your macros mm-hmm. and just being more intuitive about it like hey a fist full of of protein and each meal or something like that and mm-hmm. take a picture of it to see if you have everything and they do more of that you know mm-hmm. to make it more natural mm-hmm. and i i tend to as i become more busy with work and family and all mm-hmm. these things mm-hmm. I tend to go through that approach a little bit more just on the general, you know, when I'm in just general physical preparedness, fitness, mm-hmm. um, if I do go into competition or if, uh, some of the guys that I help out do go into competition, then, mm-hmm. okay, we're going to track our macros. We're going to track our calories mm-hmm. to make sure that you're getting enough protein in and enough of everything into, to meet your demands for what you're doing. Cause you're, mm-hmm. your training is going to go up. We need to make sure that that's on point. Okay. Yeah. Cause I'm, I'm doing, what would you call it? What's that term again for that type of eating? Uh, the intuitive. intuitive. No, uh, so yeah. no intuitive. So I basically have been doing intuitive and intermittent fasting for several years now, because that's intuitive is basically how I eat. I guess I just never put a, put a label on it, but mm-hmm. I fast, I found the secret to fasting is just be busy as hell. <laughs> so, you know, that it makes it easy, you know, like when you're just running around and I just, you know, lose track of time and I haven't eaten nothing. It's like three o'clock and I'm like, Oh, I guess it's time to eat. <laughs> so, um, that's basically what I do. I mean, I, and I try to eat decent food and, you know, am I perfect? No. Do I go get a burger once in a while? Hell yeah. You know, you know every week I'll go out and have a cheat meal on the weekends with my family. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, but for the most part, just a lot of fruits and vegetables and, you know, and, and carbohydrates with a single, with a single word and, uh, you know, <laughs> protein sources from a, from an animal and I'm good. Uh, yeah. and, and I like, you know, I've said this before out here, but I mean, I'll drink some IPAs. I like beer a little bit, you know, I mean, I'm not going to like, you know, totally restrict myself, but yeah, but that's like my vice, you know, they guess that and coffee, but uh, <laughs> you know, those are my vices in life. But yeah, I, 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 so when you do, when you're working with an athlete, like let's say getting ready for master's worlds or whatever, do you promote doing the, uh, like eating three hours a day? I mean, three times uh, every three hours, like multiple times a day. Is that the type of deal? It's going to depend on each individual. Like, mm-hmm. like, for example, you like your intermittent fasting, mm-hmm. you know, and that works for your lifestyle. Mm-hmm. I, I want, I, I sit down and talk with whoever I'm working with. And I'm like, mm-hmm. what has worked for you the best so far? Mm-hmm. And I talk to them, you know, if, if for example, oh, I'm, I'm, if they say I'm really injured, I don't eat a lot and I barely mm-hmm. sleep. Okay. Then mm-hmm. what you've been doing is not working. We yeah, can't let's go not do that. Yeah. But you know, what's best for them based on their schedule. Like mm-hmm. I have one guy that, um, he has two kids, uh, a newborn, mm-hmm. um, and he, wants to sleep seven, eight hours a day, but Mm -hmm. you know how it is when, when you have a newborn, like you have to wake up in the middle of the night to feed them Mm -hmm. and you have a whole bunch of other demands as well. So he does the best he can based Mm -hmm. on that food wise as well. Right. So we've, we've tailored it to what he can do based on his schedule. I'm not Mm -hmm. telling him you have to eat every three hours or something like that. Right. Um, But it's just going to depend on the, on the individual. Really. I, Mm -hmm. I, I truly believe it depends on all these diets work. Mm-hmm. It just depends on what's going to work best for you. Right. The one I'm, the one I'm not a big fan of though mm-hmm. is keto, like keto. For- yeah. I don't like keto either. I don't <laughs> like it. You know, I, I, I know people close to my life who've done it and there were some negative repercussions from it. And I, I don't like it. Um, I mean, it's like, I mean, I guess the, 
The closest thing I ever got was paleo. I mean, that's how I, I dumped a bunch of weight using the paleo diet. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's basically what I still do. I just, but I added some carbs back in. I added some rice back in and oatmeal. Um, and I've, I've heard that term just like paleo for athletes, but I'm like, I don't, I don't know if I really think that that's an accurate. Yeah. It's just, it's, name, but. it's, it's tricky because, you know, carbs are our prime energy source. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we mm-hmm. do need it, especially mm-hmm. if you're a high level athlete, like in jujitsu where mm-hmm. you are using so much energy, like mm-hmm. you are burning so much energy in jujitsu. It's mm-hmm. crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, that to, to restrict that, that energy source can be tricky. It can be tricky. It can. It can. Yeah. Carbohydrates just are protein sparing. So mm-hmm. it's like, you're not using protein for energy, you're using it to, re- to repair you know, if mm-hmm. you eat carbohydrates. And I think that if you eat things that like, like I said, one more, you know, foods like rice, oats, you know, potato, things like that, you're good to go. It's when you yeah. start eating things like, like, I mean, I'll eat bread once in a while, but I mean, but that's the example of where you're going to, I think in my opinion, the wrong direction where you're looking at the, the, the ingredient label and there's like, you know, 15 ingredients on there and you can't, you know, you can't even pronounce maybe. <laughs> so, you know, that's, that's where you're going wrong. I think it's, it's, it's preservatives and prepared foods, I think is where you make the mistake. Uh, but I think if you keep things pretty simple, you're usually pretty safe. Yeah. Um, uh, but yeah, I, I like the idea of eating carbs. I'm just, I'm not giving up carbs ever again. I'm never going to do yeah. that again. Yeah. Anyway. I did it too way back in the day, day. And I'm like, why did I do this? I wasn't, it wasn't even necessary. Like Mm-mm. I wasn't even trying to lose weight. Like, mm-hmm. It was when I first, when I was a white belt, blue belt, mm-hmm. I was weighing like maybe a hundred and 136 pounds. Wow. And I was like two, 3% body fat. Mm-hmm. And I was, I was eating low carb all the time. I don't know why I was just, yeah. Yeah. Why were you out? I mean, why uh, lean, uh-huh. man? Ripped. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's usually why people don't eat carbs because they're trying to lose weight. Right. Mm-hmm. They think that carbs make them fat. Carbs don't make you fat. Calories make you fat. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, the calories makes you fat, you know, so mm-hmm. it doesn't matter. You know, it's like, like, I think I was listening to, I don't know if you ever listened to Jojo Franco's podcast, mm-hmm. the Industrial Strength yeah. Show. Yeah. He did a good episode. It was probably just like three or four episodes back, but he talked about his diet and, and uh, he made a point that he was like, it's like, as long as it's within your, you know, your caloric deficit, you know, to lose, to get to lean out or whatever, you can eat whatever you want as far as like the micronutrient breakdown, you know, you can have as much, you can eat higher carbs and moderate protein and, you know, low fat or, or any kind of reversal, whatever works for you, as long as it's within those calories. And that made a lot of sense to me. And that's really, I think the reality of it's calories in calories out. Yeah. It's um, like this, uh, if it fits your macros type of mentality a little bit. Yeah, I think so. I think, I mean, what makes you feel the best too? I mean, I just, I feel good the way I eat, you know, I, you know, I eat a lot of mainly vegetables and protein and I eat some white rice and I feel good. I eat some eggs, mm-hmm. you know, and you know, it's uh, some oatmeal and I'll throw in some uh, fruit like berries and stuff like that into it. Maybe an apple or banana here or there, but I, it just, I feel good like that, but I can yeah. tell the difference when I eat junk or when I, you know, eat the wrong foods. Yeah. Um, I, I, I've, I will say that with combat athletes, BJJ, stuff like that, mm-hmm. I have run into a lot of guys, friends, and people that I've helped that they tend to undereat, man. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know what it is, but mm-hmm. they tend to, like, I, I had this one guy that I was helping and he had a lot of chronic injuries, a lot of chronic pain and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And I, I went with him, went, went over him with him is um, his food and he was eating nothing. Like he was eating like 
I don't remember. He was like eating like two meals a day. And after he got back home from jujitsu, he would um, eat some Doritos and uh, smoke a little bit. And that's it. Like, and <laughs> that was his like oatmeals in the morning, a salad for lunch. And then that, cause he was afraid of gaining weight. And I'm like, no, 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 no. I had him track his cal. For him, I had him mm-hmm. track his calories because I wanted him to see right. that right. he could eat more and be able to um, be able to still maintain the weight and feel right. a lot better. Right, he and ate a lot was, more. Yeah, and yeah. that was the biggest thing that he needed mm-hmm. for him specifically. That was the biggest thing that he needed to mm-hmm. help him with his chronic pain. Mm-hmm. He like he he told me, Gio, the biggest takeaway from this is. I can eat more. Like, I'm just happy that I can eat more and I'm mm-hmm. not gaining weight. Oh my God. Mm-hmm. Like it, he's like, I have no pain, blah, blah. It's not, that's mm-hmm. great, but mm-hmm. I can just eat more. <laughs> right. Right. I mean, I surprised the smoking didn't make him eat more. <laughs> I know. Right? <laughs> he didn't like get the munchies in order to eat, you know, <laughs> but it's like, but again, it's a science. It's like, how many calories does it take to, to gain a pound of fat? 3,500 calories excess mm. over your maintenance levels. So mm-hmm. it's like, that's a lot of calories. I don't think I even eat 3,500 calories in a day. Mm-hmm. I doubt yeah. I do. I probably eat about <laughs> 2,000 or 2,500, you know, that's about what I eat, you know? Um, you know, but it's, it's amazing what people will do, but yeah. Um, but it's also amazing too, that when you actually learn how to eat correctly, how much you do feel better or you can, you know, uh, function yeah. better or, or ac- accomplish a lot more. And how much mm-hmm. freedom you have, like you think it's mm-hmm. going to be more restrictive, but it's, mm-hmm. it's free. It's freeing. It really. Yeah, really. It is. Yeah. I mean, it, yeah. I mean, I guess it depends on who you talk to and what you're doing. <laughs> yeah. I guess. Right. Mentality. Like, like, well, like that, that, that picture of me from like, what is it? 2008 on my Instagram that I put up a couple weeks ago. Dude, I, I lived on um, egg whites, oatmeal, tilapia, chicken breast, green beans, a half a cup of brown rice Ooh. a day and then some protein shakes. And that's all I ate for six months. And it's oh, sucked. that was horrible. It was horrible. Nah. Um, I won't eat. I won't eat like that ever again in my life. There's no way. How long did you do bodybuilding for? I did one show. I know I lifted weights. I basically power build power, you know, whatever you want to call it since I was mm-hmm. 17 off and on through my whole life. And um, at that point, I had, I started lifting weights when I was 17. I lifted until I was about 21. I got up to like, I went from 150 to 205 pounds. And I got pretty strong at that age at like 20, 21. I was pretty, pretty decently strong. Um, And then I stopped. I must've done, like, I used to be the kind of guy that like, if I, like, if I get interested in something, I throw myself into it. I do it like crazy. Right. But, Mm -hmm. but I used to be the kind of guy where I can only do one kind of thing at a time. Like, you know, I was either working out or I was doing martial arts or I was doing something, you know, it was, it was, it was only one thing, totally focused on this one thing. And then as I got older, I, well, I got married and I, and I had my first daughter and I stopped doing martial arts a little bit after that. Cause at the time I was actually, I was doing traditional uh, Japanese jujitsu mm-hmm. and I was actually traveling three hours a, every Monday to go train with my teacher in Sonora. Oh. yeah every i did that for years i did it for like i that was the last i did that particular martial art for 18 years total um, wow. with, a, with a break in it and that was the first part of the break and but up until that point i had trained i want to say eight years in it at that point and then we had we had our first we had our first daughter and i put her put the brakes on all that because it was just like you said it's like you have a newborn she's got her days and nights mixed up i'm not going anywhere and i'm barely getting any sleep and i gotta prioritize this so 
the, the martial arts sort of like fell to the side for a while. And I got back into uh, lifting weights and bodybuilding or whatever. And I worked out and worked out and worked out. And I did that between 30 and 36. And then 36 is when I decided I'm going to do a bodybuilding contest. I'm like, why else am I doing all this? Right. <laughs> so I, 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 uh, I met somebody who owned the max muscle in, um, in uh, Capitola and, and named Jeff. And he taught me in doing the San Jose and he and his wife, Sarah coached me for it. And uh, it was a long six month, six months of, of, uh, two hours of cardio a day. I did an hour when I got up, I went to work. I had this really high pressure job and, and I would come home and I would lift weights for an hour and a half at the gym down the street from my house at the golds. And then I would go home and I do another hour of cardio on the treadmill. And I actually destroyed a, a treadmill during this process in my garage. <laughs> I did. I'm serious. I burned out the motor on the treadmill and That's a brand, crazy. brand new treadmill, a cheap one, but it was still brand new. And you know, I would just sit there and watch bodybuilding DVDs on this little this little player to keep me motivated. So watch like Ronnie Coleman and all this all these freaks. And uh, and uh, he happened to actually he was the guest poser at the contest I did, which was interesting to actually meet him in person. Yeah, he was that's cool. Freaking big. Yeah, um, one uh, of the best. And actually, the the golds where I trained is right by my house. Actually, still it's a different name now, but they uh, Ronnie Homboyd used to train a lot of pros out of that gym. I, I, you'd see, like, I saw Phil Heath one day stood next to him at the, you know, on the, the dumbbell rack and looked at him, looked at me and just went home. And then, <laughs> um, I, I saw Jay Cutler. I saw a bunch of these guys. They were just, that's mammoths. awesome. Oh, mammoths. But anyway, I digress. So I, <laughs> I did this, I did this contest and, uh, I, I did it naturally, which was crazy in the first place that I went to the San Jose naturally. Um, but I came in, 15th of 15th in my division. And, but I looked at it like, well, it's still cool because I, when I started the start of the process, it was 240 pounds fat. Mm-hmm. I ended at 166, like I did in the picture. So I was like, okay, I still accomplished something. I still did something I never thought I'd ever be able to do. And, and it was, you know, like I said, an accomplishment for me mm-hmm. that I was going to do one in October because Jeff and some other people who I spoke to um, at the contest said yeah you probably need like three more months so i was like i'm gonna I'll, maybe i'll do the one in october the san francisco but you know uh family pressures and other stuff was just like you know we're done with this this is not cool you know it can't you gotta take a break so i did and uh there's more to the story that i don't want to put out publicly but yeah uh, about my reasons why i stopped bodybuilding but but yeah i did that for a while and then i got back into martial arts and then that was about the point where i started going back to the back to the same art traditional japanese jiu-jitsu but that was also about the same point in my life where I was able to do more than one thing where I decided, cause I had gotten, I, I got to go back a little bit farther. When I stopped bodybuilding, I started powerlifting. And when I started powerlifting, I went right back up to 240, huge, very hmm. strong, but very fat. And there's pictures of me on my Instagram in that, in that condition too. And then the doctor told me, you got to lose weight, you know, it's not healthy, et cetera. That's what got me on the paleo kick. There were some other, I had some other, well, you would appreciate this. I had like, tendonitis is so bad that I couldn't unrack 135 to bench mm. or on Elbow? squat. Yeah. Elbows. Yep. And on squat days, I, it was, it was so much pain in my elbows that I would actually be in the corner of the gym, like leaning down on top of a weight tree, feeling like I wanted to cry. It hurt so bad. 
And so I got yeah. to the point where I was like, I can't do this anymore. It's just, I'm 41 years old. I'm destroying myself. I've been basically lifting heavy all these years. And I just, it was too late in my life to want to do some stupid shit like this. And, you know, when I was, I was doing geared powerlifting, which for all of you out there listening, it doesn't mean steroids. It means you're wearing a squat suit or you're wearing a mm-hmm. bench shirt. And so you're actually lifting a lot more freaking weight than your joints are really able to, to take on, um, you know, without doing exercises that now I know now that I didn't know then, such as doing a lot of high rep band work and things like that, that will increase the connective tissue strength. But I didn't know that back then. So I basically destroyed my, my joints to a point where I really, like I said, I couldn't unwrap 135. I, you know, squatting was just like agonizing. And so I stopped, I couldn't do a pull up anything, but anyway, so then I went to the, one of the paleo diet because I had to lose all this weight. So I did, I dropped like I went from 240 to like 180 in like six months. And, and I felt a lot better, but that's also when I got back into martial arts and I was still doing the traditional stuff. But that's also when I found a way to get myself to a point where I could worry about my physical fitness and do another interest and work out at the same time and, men, and sort of blend them together. So that was like, for me, was like the turning point of my life as far as that goes. And now I'm still there. Now I'm at the point where I'm doing like, I've been doing BGJ for almost eight years. I love it. I'm never going to stop. I'm going to do it till I die. And, <laughs> uh, but I also have a love for the, for the iron. I still love to lift weights. And I have a home gym and I work out at home. That's and, awesome. And, you know, it's, but it's still that the same thing where I still, like all during the pandemic, perfect example, during the pandemic, while I wasn't training BGJ because I couldn't, I started, I got really into lifting weights again. I got really into like powerlifting almost. And, you know, I got a lot of my, some of my strength back up and I was, you know, you know, deadlifting over four plates again and squatting three plates again and do all these things I hadn't done in a while. You know, that I know we're not impressive numbers for all of you out there, but, but for me, but for me at 49 and being drug free and weighing 168 pounds, they were impressive for me. And it was an accomplishment for myself. Those are impressive. Yeah. So, uh, but the point is, you know, like, like, I, I still have that love for wanting to work out. I still want to, you know, be able to blend all those things in my life and do all these things that I want to do. And I understand you can't serve two masters. And I understand you have to, you know, consolidate your expectations of what you can achieve while you're doing all these things. But I still want to be able to perform to the best of my ability, given my situation. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's where I basically am at this time, you know, and that's why I thought the whole recovery tracking thing is really interesting to me. But, but that goes into the next question. The pros and cons of powerlifting. Um, so, yeah, this post you put up, I had, I, we have to talk about the post. <laughs> no, yeah, I basically put that, um, yeah, that, that there are pros and cons to powerlifting for um, combat athletes, right? And, mm-hmm. and there are, there, there are, mm-hmm. um, but it's more, the pros are more not to train for the sport mm-hmm. of powerlifting, but to train with certain powerlifting type principles in your training. Mm-hmm. Um and, and, and going back to what you said, like that, that love for both, I feel mm-hmm. the same things a lot of time. Mm-hmm. I grew up with, with brother, with one brother that used to love martial arts, used mm-hmm. to love conditioning type mm-hmm. stuff. Mm-hmm. And the other brother used to love lifting weights, mm-hmm. bodybuilding, like mm-hmm. crazy. Mm-hmm. He was, you know, 200 and something pounds and right. 4% body fat. <laughs> just uh, jacked. He might, yeah. he might, he might have, you know, no, he, I, hey, whatever. I don't judge, but yeah, That's but right. still, like, I, I grew up with both, with both right. sides of it. So I fell in love with both sides right. as well. And, 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 uh, and yeah, it's, it's a, it's a tricky balance between both, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like, like, you talk to people, like, for example, you look through through Facebook or through the internet 
and people ask, how can I get stronger for BJJ or for combat sports? Mm-hmm. And, um, and people say, oh, just get five, three, one, or just get on five by five mm-hmm. and stronger lifts and then just go for it. Do that only. And mm-hmm. sort of, but not really like, right. um, there's more to it than that. You know, mm-hmm. um, I, have you heard of, a uh, juggernaut Chad, Chad was his list. Absolutely. Yeah. I have watched this YouTube channel a lot. Yeah. yeah I like it. Yeah. Yeah. And he talks about it too. in one mm-hmm. of his channels, like when he talks about heavy lifting for, mm-hmm. for jujitsu, that mm-hmm. it's not necessary mm-hmm. to go all the way up there. You know, it's right. not necessarily to focus just on max strength. Mm-hmm. We have different types of strengths that we have to focus on in jujitsu mm-hmm. or in combat sports. We mm-hmm. have explosive strength. We've got strength endurance and we got um, st- max strength as well that we got to think about. But mm-hmm. the thing is, we can use the principles of RP. We can use those principles of getting the big three lifts, which are bench, uh, squat and deadlift mm-hmm. into your programming and focusing those as your primary lifts, like mm-hmm. they do in powerlifting, but it's not necessary to constantly be maxing out at an mm-hmm. RP nine, 10, mm-hmm. um, at one rep max or a three rep max, or even a five rep max mm-hmm. constantly doing that week by week mm-hmm. or day training session by training session. Like some people do, you know, right. Right. Um, you can definitely work at a sub maximal or effort training level between mm-hmm. 70 and 80, 85% uh, of your one rep max you can train there and build significant amount of strength. Mm-hmm. Um, like talking about what you've talked about, like there were some times where I could only train once or twice a week during certain seasons mm-hmm. uh, of my life. And I was, there were times <laughs> that I could also only train um, at 60 to 70 to sometimes 80% of one my rep, rep max. Mm-hmm. And that's where I've gained the most strength when I was working those in those in those uh, parameters. Right. Not when I was shooting for that one rep, three rep max at a RP nine, RP ten. Right. And that's the idea there. Like we think that we have to train like a power lifter because mm-hmm. strength is important. And I've had guys come at me, come to me, and ask me like, Geo, like, man, I start rolling and I feel good, and then all of a sudden I just gas out you know, and I just, I I do one or two explosive movements and I'm done. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, well, what do you think you need to get better at? I need Mm -hmm. to get stronger. Well, Mm -hmm. that's not necessarily a strength issue right there. Mm -hmm. You know, Mm -hmm. that's actually more of an endurance issue right there. That's going on there. Mm -hmm. Yes. You could get stronger. So when you lift that other guy, that's 160 pounds, that one time, it won't gas you out because you're not used to lifting that weight. Yeah. But once you get to that point where you can lift the other person up comfortably a few times, and it's more about endurance, right? About about mm-hmm. lactic endurance, lactic endurance, aerobic endurance, being mm-hmm. able to to be able to um, to be able to work those energy systems and tolerate all those things, and that's where that combination comes in. Right, and wouldn't you also say that there's also different types of strength? I mean, I say there's grap. I, I like to use the term grappling strength. It's like mm-hmm. It's like isometric strength. It's like like boa constrictor strength, where it's just different. It's like even Chad said that on his. He was saying he was talking to. I don't remember the name of the person he was talking about, but he was somebody who told him like, "Well, you know, you're really strong. You know, you must have been able to really handle this guy." And he's like, "He's like, no. He's like, I'm strong with a barbell. But this guy's strong at moving bodies. Yeah. This is different, <laughs> right? Yeah. And 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 you have the isometric strength of like of being able to hold somebody, like you know, having wedges and 
holding somebody and with pressure and so forth in your body. And, and, and even the part two where people say, well, I need to get stronger because I, I gas out. Well, what does that also do? That also means, are you training in a way like a bodybuilder where you're going to start gaining a bunch of body mass? Well, guess what? You're going to get gassed out too, because that, all that body mass needs oxygen. Mm-hmm. So you gas out quicker. So yeah. I don't know if you'd agree with those, those statements, but, um, but no, totally. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, totally. I agree with that. Like, yeah. and you look at, you look at some of the top guys, um, in jujitsu at some of the, maybe the lower weight classes and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, um, you look at the meow brothers or something mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. They're mm-hmm. not They're. You look at, um, Marcelo Garcia, mm-hmm. um, this Marcelo doesn't, doesn't do any type of strength and conditioning. No. Yeah, he's a you freak. Know? Yeah. But yeah, he's a freak. I'm sure I've never trained yeah. against him, mm-hmm. but I'm sure if I trained, if I went up against him mm-hmm. and he did that, he, he gripped me, mm-hmm. it would feel like a boa constrictor type right. of grip or something. And right. he never does anything like no. any strength training. No. But he, he's constantly moving on the match, constantly using his strength and training mm-hmm. in that way, you know? Mm-hmm. So, like you said, yeah, I totally agree. Like, like I, I believe it's more about, again, looking at the individual mm-hmm. and seeing what their weak points are. Because mm-hmm. I think sometimes strength coaches, um, we tend to think, well, we just got to get the guy stronger, and that's going to help him. If I get him a, a, to PR on a squat, mm-hmm. then he's gonna he's gonna do good in in this or that. And it's not so much about um, that; it's more about what are his weak points. Is strength mm-hmm. one of his weak points? Mm-hmm. Great, let's work on that. If not, then let's focus a little bit more on the other aspects that we got to work on. You know, mm-hmm. is it ma- if it is strength, is it max strength? Is it isometric strength? Mm-hmm. Is it explosive? All those different things. You know, is it strength speed? Mm-hmm. Uh, things like that. So yeah, I agree with you completely. Yeah, yeah. Is it endurance? Is it yeah? I mean, even I think part of the isometric idea is also endurance. I would think that you know your ability to hold to hold the contraction for you know long extended periods, like your legs. Maybe yes, when you're a closed guard and or you have a a trap triangle over their over their shoulder and you're holding them you know, or or a, or a uh a top you know like i was doing it this morning where you have a closed guard and you just bring it over the top of the shoulder so it's it's just higher up yeah the higher you know, yeah yeah you're but you're used to basically squeezing your knees and you're holding an isometric contraction you know you're not you're not like trying to blow yourself out but you know it's still there yeah. um so i sort of feel like some of us sort of feel like in that sense, grappling itself is sort of strength training and to some degrees. I mean, it, it, yeah. depending, it's just, you're building a different type of strength. Um, yeah. That goes back to the whole other part about that I said about grappling strength. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, those are good points. And even, I even will, go back I, to, even what you said earlier though, not to cut you off, but you yeah. made a point earlier about getting stronger by using submaximal weights. That's basically the dynamic effort method. You know, if you look yeah. at the Russian conjugate method, you know, they're saying they got the Russians said they get stronger by training at, at submaximal loads, you know, 50 mm-hmm. to 50 to what 80% of the, of the one rep max. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that makes a lot of sense too. I mean, I think that there really is a, uh, there's a give and take, there's like a real balance you have to find. And, and, yeah. and I would think that too, that as you get older, that I think it's okay to do the heavier lifting here and there, but I think it should be more infrequent. What do you think? Yeah. yeah I mean, you, you gotta, you got to, to a certain point, consider your joints and see how your body's feeling. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have seen guys that train fairly heavy at a, at a higher age. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and heavy training is good for the body. It's not that it isn't. Mm-hmm. And in fact, as you get older, you should continue to do it because mm-hmm. it, it does help 
with bone density. Mm-hmm. It helps with, with, um, the soft tissue integrity. Mm-hmm. It helps to maintain muscle mass. It, it mm-hmm. is good, but yeah, you might have to adjust a little bit as you get older, considering how your recovery is doing. Right. Like, like right now, like I could, I could, I don't do it. Right. But I could go out and party until five in the morning today. Mm-hmm. And then tomorrow go and train and it'll be like, it'll be shit. I'll probably get injured. Right. It'll just be a horrible session, you know? Right. But if I did that when I was 18, 19, 20, my body would be like, Oh, whatever. You're good to go. Yeah, it, it's yeah. still, it's still, it's still um, taxing on the body, but your body just hides it better. Let's say right. that. You know? Right. Yeah. yeah and that's and I, something you got to consider when you're, yeah. when, as you're getting older. Yeah. I, that's what I was thinking is like, you know, when, when I was, when you and I were talking over Instagram and I was bouncing these ideas in my head and I'm thinking, you know, it's still okay to like go for a three or five rep max, but maybe not do it every week. Maybe do it like, you know, every other week or every third week, you actually try to go that heavy and then you give yourself some time to recover because you have all the other things in your life that call upon your recovery ability. And maybe mm-hmm. that's the way to do it. Maybe you have to rotate more of that and do more higher rep stuff and, you know, or, or just not, just not pound yourself into the ground every time you work out, be a little strong, yeah. uh, smarter about it. Um, so does that go into, go ahead. No, no. And, and you, you'll feel like I want to do more, but mm-hmm. as you get used to it, you're like, Oh, okay, I can do this. I'm still getting mm-hmm. my results. You mm-hmm. know, it's fine. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's all how you program it. It just depends on you, your recovery and how your life is. And it's going to mm-hmm. shift here and there a little by little. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I, I feel it. I mean, when I do, I mean, in the past, I've always said it that when I don't strength train, I actually feel like my jujitsu is sort of better because I don't know. It's just, I just don't feel as tight and smashed up. And, mm-hmm. and I probably, well, probably, but probably what it is, is the recovery. It's the fact that I don't have this other thing pulling on me to recover, but I don't care because I still enjoy doing it. That's why I continue to do it. And I think it actually is good for my jujitsu and everything. Just my life in general. I think you should just be physically fit and be be harder to kill basically, you know, Uh, but strength training, strength training and aerobic training in some way, shape or form are essential throughout life period. Like they are. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, you might, it might vary based on what you're doing at that moment in life. Like, training more mm-hmm. jujitsu but mm-hmm. it, they are essential throughout life they are they are but they like uh but then there's also but like you said there's that balance it's like what you have to find that balance for yourself where you get the effect but you don't overcompensate like i i followed a routine i got a couple weeks ago and i did it to the letter and mm-hmm. it was a great workout but the next day I was rolling with, with a friend of mine in the Academy and he's like, you worked out yesterday, didn't you? And I'm like, yeah. He's like, I can tell because you're not hundred percent today. You're not yourself. Mm-hmm. And I was like, see, I was like, there it is. He's like, cause I walked in there feeling a little bit like ah, a little bit run down, not too bad, but I could just feel like that, that fog. And that's mm-hmm. probably what it was. And so there's that thing where it's like, then I went back to the workout and I looked at it again and I'm like, okay, how can I trim this down to still get the effect, but not feel smashed. And so I guess, that's something I want to bounce off you. I, I, I sort of feel like maybe there's some reality to that where it's like, how do you find that? I guess you have to do it by trial and error, but it's like finding that point where it's like, you get the effect you want, but you're not, but you can recover from it. You know? Yeah. Like you said, trial and error, really a mm-hmm. lot of times, like you got to find your, your, um, I think, uh, what's his name? Mike Isital. He says it really well. 
I think that's his name. He he mm. he he does a Renaissance periodization. I might have butchered mm. his name right now. Okay. But um, but he he talked about um the minimal effective dosage mm-hmm. and the maximal recoverable dosage. Mm-hmm. I believe those are his two terms. Mm-hmm. And it's basically that. Like you got to experiment with a little bit with a little bit, find your minimal effective dosage and mm-hmm. then you work from there up to your maximal recoverable dosage mm-hmm. and then once you get there you sort of you know maybe deload or come back mm-hmm. down mm-hmm. and build back up you know like that and you do mm-hmm. that your periodization that way right mm-hmm. and i think it's that man i think it's just playing around with it and seeing what works for you like mm-hmm. um you know looking at a workout that you have and mm-hmm. if you feel like you're under recovered or overtrained like mm-hmm. i mean maybe tweaking one variable at a time and mm. seeing what what helps you know mm-hmm. um i wouldn't tweak everything at one time i also wouldn't do it too soon mm-hmm. like if it's a novel stimulus or a brand new workout like i wouldn't switch too much too soon mm-hmm. but i would definitely like you did you did it perfect I, like mm-hmm. when you said you know I, I looked at it fucked um i maybe i could i should switch one or two things here you know mm-hmm. yeah take a little bit that's of volume cool. off whatever i mean i don't know that's See not, what happens that's the first thing i thought it was like okay where can i trim the volume you know, yeah. what, what can I do to make this more manageable, still get the effect, but keep going. But, yeah. but what is your, what's your opinion on how people say there's no such thing as overtraining? I think that's such a little bullshit. <laughs> I think that's BS. Mm-hmm. Um, I think so there, there's, there's a couple of things here. There's um, overreaching, which mm-hmm. is what we do normally, right? We mm-hmm. overreach compensate and that's mm-hmm. how our training goes. Right. Mm-hmm. And then there is overtraining syndrome, <clears throat> where you go to a point where you overtrain so much that it just goes downhill. Mm-hmm. But that, that in and of itself, that takes at least a, a month to maybe more for that to truly happen for you to get right. to that point of overtraining syndrome, right. but it can happen, mm-hmm. you know, uh, rhabdomyodosis. Um, mm-hmm. I, I destroy that word as well. Uh, but, um, rhabdo where basically people basically just, tear apart their body you know and mm-hmm. they they their muscles and stuff like that it's it's a real thing it mm-hmm. just takes a lot for you to get to that point but it is mm-hmm. possible for it to happen mm-hmm. um i don't know that's my opinion well do you 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 i think it was you had on your instagram i think there was a video you were talking about that you were studying to do you were a graphic artist i believe and yeah you were studying you were studying for what you do now and you were training and you were working out and you were sleeping like well, how many was it like two hours a night or something three hours a night three yeah. hours a night yeah i was tell, very that, story, tell that story tell that story i was I very i was very stupid i was um i was i i, I studied graphic design in order to be able to continue studying and working you know uh, mm-hmm. make some money on the side as i continue studying so i was training jujitsu probably uh five six days a week and then I was weightlifting probably four days, four or five days a week. I was doing, I think at that point, um, have you ever heard of Chris Getting? No. Yeah. So he's on bodybuilding.com. Mm-hmm. He's this bodybuilding.com. Like he's one of the first ones that made these really big workouts that you follow on bodybuilding.com. Mm-hmm. He made, he's the one that made that trend. Okay. So he had this workout on there. It was like a five day a week workout, which was, which was this crazy amount of volume, like mm-hmm. on legs, like mm-hmm. he recorded himself doing the workouts and he was like vomiting as he was doing the workouts. And mm-hmm. so I was following that workout and doing <laughs> jujitsu like five, six days a week, plus mm-hmm. studying for, for, uh, physical therapy. Mm-hmm. I had just finished exercise science and starting in physical therapy. So I was in mm-hmm. that transition. Mm-hmm. 
and I was doing graphic design work as well. So I basically had no life and had no sleep. Like I was just like mm-hmm. not sleeping at all. Mm-hmm. And my body little by little just started like falling apart. Like um, it was recurring back injuries, mm-hmm. recurring shoulder injuries, uh, neck injuries. My back was the worst. I kept on trying to train through it mm-hmm. and um, I kept on getting stuck. And, you know, it would get tweaked and I would get stuck in a position. I would go to somebody and they would help me out. I went to a Cairo to a massage therapist, a doctor. One doctor told me, you're not an ant. You're not supposed to be lifting twice your body weight Mm -hmm. or something Mm -hmm. like that. Mm -hmm. Uh, My BJJ instructor back then, uh, BD, you know, Mm -hmm. to help me out, he's like, you're not going to roll with any of the heavy guys anymore. Mm -hmm. So he had me rolling with um, the only two other people that were my weight in that school at the time. Wow which were the two girls, which <laughs> one of them, one of them was his, his wife. And uh-huh. she, they were awesome. They were great. Yeah. But every time I tried to roll with somebody heavier, he's like, no, stop, get back over there. Yeah. <laughs> and everybody was just making fun of me, you know? Uh-huh. Uh, and I got to a point where I, um, I tweaked my back warming up one time uh-huh. and, um, I actually didn't know what to do for it. So I left the gym hanging on to to the person that was with me at the time i didn't mm-hmm. want to show anybody so i was like walking out like mm-hmm. i'm good all right i'll see you guys later and i was mm-hmm. like and I, I got out i could barely walk and they were like you need to go to the emergency room because mm-hmm. you're not doing well mm-hmm. so i went to the emergency room they did an x-ray my back was like as straight as a rod in my lower back mm-hmm. um the curve was not there because the muscles were so spasmed up right and i basically was stuck in a wheelchair for t- three days because i just couldn't bear the weight of of walking you know and then after that it was like um maybe another month or two where i would walk maybe 500 feet at most and i would have to take a break you know Mm -hmm. Uh, because it was just so exhausting you know rolling i was okay because i was laying down you know i Mm -hmm. i I wouldn't stand up during rolling right I i would have to go really slow but after that i was like no this bs like i'm one i'm one I was in my first semester of DPT of mm-hmm. the doctorate of physical therapy. I was like, this is stupid. Mm-hmm. I'm studying physical therapy and I'm getting injured like this. This is ridiculous. Right. This right. is wrong. Mm-hmm. So that's when I started diving deeper because even in PT school, a lot of the stuff that they teach you is to get you prepared to pass the test. Okay. Okay. And the test is not necessarily up to date with the latest research. It's just mm-hmm. impossible for it to be. You know, um, so even in school, like what I was learning, a lot of the stuff was not enough to help me. So I had mm-hmm. to start asking other people in the field mm-hmm. and searching on my own, asking other people what was going on. And they were the ones that were taught me about training load and recovery and all these things. And, you know, what was happening with my muscles and everything and blah, mm-hmm. blah. And, and yeah, but it was just reinventing everything. I literally started deadlifting again. I had avoided deadlifting for a while because of the reoccurring back injuries for like a year or two. Right. I started deadlifting again with a trap bar with um, 10 pounds on each side. And that's wow. where I started. I started squatting with a barbell, just the barbell. And that was it, you know? And I started from scratch right there. And it took me like two years to build up to, to a point where it was a significant amount of weight, but I had to just start from scratch. 
You just had to. Well, I got two things that popped in my head during this conversation is I remember you said in the beginning of the conversation that your back and your shoulder bothered you. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. do you think those, that those are reoccurring injuries or something that followed you from that time period in your life? Yeah. 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 Definitely. Yeah. It's funny how you do things like that. You like how we all do things in our life at one point. We think, oh, no, it's not that big of a deal, but it, it follows you forever, mm-hmm. you know, by physical things like that. Yeah, they do. Yeah. Uh, and it's just, it's just learning how to manage it. You know, like yeah. I will always have some discomfort in my shoulder and in my mm-hmm. back. That's mm-hmm. just part of it. Mm-hmm. But if I don't train and stay active, mm-hmm. it gets worse. If I right. train and stay active, it helps it so much. Like when my back is bothering me, mm-hmm. I go and deadlift and it feels mm-hmm. better. It's yeah. It's like, weird. it's like grease, what they call it, grease in the groove or just like, you know, stimulating that movement really does work. I mean, you remember even talking about that in your post about when you did injure your back, you didn't just stop and go home and lay down with an ice pack. You actually did some motion and you moved and yeah. it felt better. Yeah. 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 The worst thing you can do is just stop altogether. Mm-hmm. Unless there's some real big red flags or something like right. that. Right. You have to go get some help, but if not move what you can and yeah, try That's, to get most yeah. out of it. That's what I did with my knee actually today. I just, I kept training a little bit. I did what I felt like was comfortable doing that didn't hurt. And I was able to slow a bit of roll and no pain or nothing. I was able to do, you know, all the situational training and no pain. Um, and then I went home and I just, you know, I, I stretched a little bit and then I did some lunges and with body weight and didn't feel anything. And I was like, I'm good. You know, it's just, I just got to give it a take a couple of days. I'll be fine. Yeah. Cause um, your body, your body, mm-hmm. if you, if you, if you tend to avoid it, and mm-hmm. not work it, your body is going to go into this state of defense where mm-hmm. what happened with my back that one time that mm-hmm. I didn't do all those things. Right. It'll just spasm everything up because it's saying mm-hmm. I need to protect that area. It's mm-hmm. injured. Mm-hmm. And, and that's a lot harder to work out of. In most nice. cases, it's not always like that, but mm-hmm. when it comes to muscular skeletal things, mm-hmm. that's going to happen a lot of the time. So that's you really got to be careful with that. Yeah. yeah that's interesting. Another thing I wanted, I wanted to ask you, because you, you brought it up. Now, I have two trap bars mm-hmm. and I like the trap bar deadlift. As a PT, what's your what's your uh, opinion of that of that tool compared to like a straight bar? Whatever, I mean, if you're a powerlifter, then yeah, you're gonna eventually have to work with the with the straight bar. But right? I'm not a powerlifter anymore. So but yeah, but yeah. you could do whatever whatever feels comfortable for you, mm-hmm. man. Whatever you can consistently mm-hmm. can consistently do. That's my opinion, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a, my best friend. He's a powerlifter. He mm-hmm. fucking hates the trap bar mm-hmm. with a mm-hmm. passion. Like, mm-hmm. but I mean. For me, it's just whatever's going to be the best for you to be able to load, you know, right? And progress. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I uh, I can't remember his name. He's an older gentleman out of Texas. He's a big powerlifter. He always oh, the guy who wrote um, what was that book? Starting strength. Yeah, yeah, uh huh. Uh, yeah, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, Mike something. I think so. Here, I'm going to look it up, man. I'm going to pull my phone yeah. out because it's bugging me and I'm going to, it's going to drive me crazy. Mark Ripitow. Yes, yeah, yeah, Mark Ripitow. Yeah. yeah, he hates the trap bar. Yeah. He hates mm-hmm. it. I remember we put a video out. He says it in his, in his trash can, but he bought one. He had one in his gym. So I don't know. It's just, I don't know. I, I think there's a place for it. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, um, the new, the new physical preparedness test for, for um the military or the mm-hmm. army is, is with a trap bar that look with a trap bar yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah so interesting i don't know just just depends yeah, yeah. i mean i like it. it it's it's something different um i don't know i i i uh i got it because i just thought it'd be fun and it was like something different and I'm sick of the same old same old but i don't know i i some people think that it's more quad dominant 
I don't know mm-hmm. if it's true, but I mean, yeah, it, it just changed the mechanics a little bit, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. It does. Yeah. And as long as you, you know, you compensate for that or sorry, you make up for that with mm-hmm. some of your other exercises, mm-hmm. you'll be good, you know? Yeah. Yeah. The one thing I, the, the, the rule of thumb I use, I got this from Joe DeFranco too, is that if he does, he, he likes trap bar deadlifts. Um, and he, he's, he programs them for a lot of athletes, football players and so forth that he, that he coaches, but what he'll do, cause he says it's a quad dominant exercise from our quad than a regular straight bar. So he will always uh, program like a 45 degree, 45 degree hyperextension or some type of posterior shape movement after is like, is like, you know, a supplemental exercise after he does that lift. So yeah. I, I try to do the same thing. Yeah. Uh, but I just want to get your opinion on it as a PT. I thought it was an interesting yeah. question yeah. to find out as you brought it <laughs> up. So, so the other thing we wanted to talk about was daily undulated periodization training. So we yeah. had talked about conjugate a little bit on our messages and you, and you brought up this daily undulated periodization training and I can't speak today. But <laughs> I was wondering if you could, you know, give us a little rundown on that. Yeah, it's basically, it's another type of concurrent training, sort mm-hmm. of like the conjugate, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so conjugate is a type of concurrent, mm-hmm. um, really like Louis Simmons and mm-hmm. Westside mm-hmm. were the mm-hmm. ones that made the conjugate method popular which is like right. an actual type of programming mm-hmm. but conjugate periodization is more of just another type of concurrent uh type of training and daily undulated periodization is just very similar it's another mm-hmm. type of um of concurrent training you're you're trying to work different um different goals or different um different variables at the same time throughout the week you know mm-hmm. Uh, concurrently so you're always prepared in a way mm-hmm. so uh for example in daily in daily undulated periodization you might have a strength day you might where you're working um at 80 percent of your max then you might have a a power day or some people call it uh, a recovery day some people call it a a a technique day i can't Mm, think right mm, now mm. a technique day and there you're working a lot lower you're maybe you're working 50 60 percent and you're working on technique you're working Mm. a little bit of speed Mm. sort of like the dynamic effort yeah yeah i was saying the same thing you said that yeah and then the the other day is more maybe of a strength endurance or hypertrophy type of day where Mm. you're working between 70 and 80 percent you know Mm. um and you're you're sort of undulating between those different things and the way you traditionally the way you do with daily undulated periodization is is a three day a week workout Mm. and um you're gonna have your your three lifts you know your Mm. bench your squat and your deadlift Mm. and one day you might train strength for bench um hypertrophy for squat and Mm. then um technique or power whatever you want to call it for deadlift you know Mm. And then you just keep on switching those around a little bit, you know? Okay. Um, and that's basically the way you do it. Like that's how I'm training right now. But for example, I only deadlift twice a week mm-hmm. and I'm doing, um, uh, because I'm focusing mainly on my squat and my bench. I feel mm-hmm. like at this point, since I'm focusing more on getting, building back into competition for jujitsu and stuff like that, mm-hmm. I want to, only focus on two big lifts at a time Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and 
because of my shoulder issue or my shoulder injury and mm-hmm. that I did not, that I avoided it for so long, for so many years dealing with it. It's a lot weaker at this mm-hmm. point than my low back. Mm-hmm. So I definitely want to focus on that area a little bit more. Hence why I'm focusing more on bench in that mm-hmm. point. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I basically, so I do the, the squat in the bench three times a week, but I'm only deadlifting twice a week and it's more hypertrophy and technique based, you know, okay. uh, or speed based, however you want to put it. Mm-hmm. You know? mm-hmm. And it, it works great. You know, uh, I'm in a general physical preparedness type state right now. So mm-hmm. I'm just building foundational all around strength. Mm-hmm. And as I get closer to maybe competing, I would switch it maybe even drop it down to strength training twice a week only or something mm-hmm. like that. It's just going to mm-hmm. depend on how my body recovers at that point, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but I would still keep the same method. Okay. Do you, do you do any like assistance work besides those three, those three methods? Or yeah. Movements? Yeah. Okay. yeah. So I definitely, I do assistance work. I like doing my, um, my more, I guess you could say bodybuilding type work mm-hmm. on the, the same hypertrophy day or strength endurance day. Mm-hmm. And then, um, I like using, and it's just my personal way of doing it. You look online, you look at different people that talk about mm-hmm. this. They all mm-hmm. do, do it differently. Mm-hmm. I like doing my more like maybe accessory strength work or maybe weak points areas that I need to work on, mm-hmm. on my actual strength day. Mm-hmm. Um, and then my technique day, I might work a little bit more explosive movements, a little mm. bit more um, uh, conditioning type work, you know, mm. or recovery type work at, at that day as well. Mm. It just depends on that one. That varies a little bit. That day for me right now is a little bit more open and mm. I switch it up a little bit. Mm. Um, and I, I don't do, actually don't do my, my, um, my own periodization or my own programming myself mm-hmm. oh, okay so I, yeah i actually have i i like you like we talked about mm-hmm. i am very hard-headed so i'm gonna want to go harder mm-hmm. i'm gonna, I'm gonna want to go a lot tougher mm-hmm. so i decided i need somebody to rein me in so um i work together with um a friend of mine as a coach uh-huh. and um we made a little bit of a deal that i would help him out with some of his uh pt stuff you know mm-hmm. and help some of his athletes out and he would help me out as well to rein there me in that well. so go. yeah so it, it was good in that sense because i i need that because like we talked about like i will eventually it says an rp6 or an rp7 and i'm like mm-hmm. i feel like going an rp8 or 9 today mm-hmm. and i, I want to push it and i right i'm not thinking about what's going on later it's easier for me to do it for other people but right. when it comes to myself but that's the way it always is, right? Yeah, yeah. It's like I like. Uh, do you know who uh, Eugene Sosik is? No. Eugene Sosik, he's the uh, BGA physical therapist, and he's he's. Oh the guy. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I interviewed him a couple of weeks ago. He's a really cool guy, and uh, but he always says like like when it comes to injuries, he's like, yeah, you know, he tells people don't train, don't do this, don't do that. But he's like, but I don't, I don't really do any of that myself. <laughs> like I'm the guy who's like taping up my hand and sticking it in my belt and everything else. So it's like, yeah, it's like do as I say, not as I do. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. It's interesting, but yeah, it's, uh, I, I got to find a deal like that. I got to find something where I can find some kind of trainer or somebody who knows what they're doing with like jujitsu and like grappling and who I can trade some kind of service for to like get workouts or something. I got to figure yeah. something out. Yeah. Just um, figure out like a deal. Like, Hey, yeah. I, I, I'll help you with, uh, with some of your management things or yeah, whatever I'll, I'll, I'll post for you. Yeah, I'll do something. Yeah. 
Yeah. But you said you're doing uh, you're doing a conjugate method right now, or you're doing I have one? been for a while. Well, see, like that's the thing. Like you even brought it up earlier was five through one. Like during the pandemic, I I I started the pandemic bodybuilding again, basically. And I got bored of that really freaking fast. And I was like, there was a reason why I don't do this anymore because it sucks and I hate it. So I'm not going to do this. And so I was just playing around with different ways I wanted to train. But then I was like, I've never really given the 531 method a real shot. So I did. And it worked really well. It is good. It's a very good program. And 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 Jim Wendler, he's freaking knows what he's talking about. He's got it. And I and mm-hmm. I bought I bought one of his books. Um, it was um I bought the basic five through one and I bought uh, on my post. I'm sorry, guys, just hang on one <laughs> second. It's a uh, five through one forever. And it's a really good book. It's a ton of templates in it. Really good information. Um, but a I, lot of guys use the, I think the Joker method template Joker? or whatever. Yeah. For, um, for jujitsu. I've heard a lot of guys saying that I personally have never done it, but huh? that's what I've heard a few people do say. Yeah, I like the Joker. I played around for a little bit, but I'm going to go back to think about yeah. that. I'm going to go back and read that again. <laughs> but yeah, he's. I would actually like to see what he would come up with if he actually said, if he actually went to him and said, and said uh, Jim, BJJ athlete, design a program, and to see what he came up with. Because he's got some, his ideas are pretty cool. And I like how he incorporates uh, like a weighted vest and, and uh, you know, other other movements along with it on other, on off days and, how he plays with the percentages and like basically working off of an 80 to 90% training max of your actual mm-hmm. max. So you're not continually smashing yourself and you're actually, you can like go do the workout and walk around and feel like I still have more in my, in the tank. And that was the point. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, but yeah, but, but the basic five through one program, if you're not doing like, so but that's the thing is like, you're not doing the jujitsu again, you're not serving two masters. Right. So when I was able to put everything into the five through one program, it worked freaking great. And then I got stronger and everything. Then I went back to jiu-jitsu and I started training like, like I used to, where it was like multiple days a week and it went right down again. Yeah. So it, it's, it's just the expectation. But then again, is it like, you know, what's relative strong? I mean, as far as grappling, I mean, I think it's probably, it's not that high. So if you can lift some relatively decent weight, you know, three plus plates on a deadlift and, you can squat a couple plates for reps and, you know, and things like that. I think you're doing okay for jujitsu. Yeah. At that point, at that point, I would say your strength training is more about um, injury prevention, mm-hmm. maintenance of strength. Mm-hmm. So you can continue training. But again, yeah. if, if jujitsu is your focus, yeah. if, if you want to get stronger, then mm-hmm. you're going to have to probably, if you want to focus on building a whole bunch of strength or mm-hmm. getting a whole bunch of muscle, mm-hmm. you might have to back off a little bit on jujitsu. You absolutely you have to, you absolutely would have to. I, I firmly, I firmly believe that now from my own experience and that, or you're going to have to use something else to um, augment your recovery. Yeah. Yeah. And, and <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And your ability to, your ability to recover quicker and more frequently. There's, there's also, and then we, we all know there's one or two guys that are like freaks that they can just mm-hmm. do both. Mm-hmm. Ju- full, but Hey, there are genetic outliers and we got to consider are. that, you yeah. know, and it might not be that they're augmenting their recovery sometimes, mm-hmm. right? It might just be this guy's a genetic freak. Good mm-hmm. for him. All no, right. No, you're like, right. You're right. There was or a guy, he's doing both. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There was a guy I knew that I went to high school with and I ran into him when I was getting ready for that bodybuilding show and he body was a bodybuilder too at that time. And he, you know, when won the, won the Contra Costa County, no problem first place, but he's walking around the six pack 365 days a year eating McDonald's. Yeah. 
It's just Ronnie Coleman, the same thing. If you ever go back and like watch that documentary they put on Netflix about Ronnie Mm -hmm. Coleman, I was talking about, yeah, I used to work at, you know, I worked at this pizza place and I was eating pizza every day and I got tired of that. So I went to Burger King and I got the burger and said, Hey, you guys want some pizza? So I want some burgers and they trade, but he'd be eating a bunch of Burger King. And he's still six pack. No problem. Yeah. Yeah. And we can't, we can't, we can't take the workouts, look at the workouts mm-hmm. that those type of guys did nope. or do mm-hmm. and then want to repeat it for ourselves. Cause mm-hmm. those guys that are at the top in that way mm-hmm. are, are truly, well, they're doing other stuff, right. But they're also genetic outliers in a way, mm-hmm. you know, and, and mm-hmm. you got to consider that it's not they that are. you can't get to mm-hmm. a, um, an incredible version of yourself where you're doing incredible things, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Like you, we all have a lot of potential, mm-hmm. But you got to consider that as well. You, you, yeah. you got to consider you. I totally agree with that. I think that, you know, it's like I'm not, I'm not taking that away from anybody. I mean, even, even if you're using that stuff, but you're still putting in the effort, more power to you. You know, oh, yeah. it's, and I've, it's all I've good. Seen, I've seen guys that, that use that stuff and um, they don't put in the effort. Mm-hmm. And then they go and compete. And jiu-jitsu specifically, they, mm-hmm. they go and compete. Mm-hmm. And they do crappy. They get injured mm-hmm. or something like that. And they're mm-hmm. like, man, why? You know, I, mm-hmm. I did this. Well, you you didn't do the other stuff. You you, tried you didn't to train. Yeah, yeah, you didn't yeah. train. Like, of mm-hmm. course, it's gonna happen. You know. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm just. But you're right. Yeah, those people that there are the one percenters, and you know, and those are usually the people that are top athletes in whatever sport there is, and mm-hmm. whether 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 PEDs and whatever is used, if it's not used, whatever, they're still the top of the sport for that reason. You know. So yeah. you got to take that into effect or into account. Yeah. Well, it. One yeah. last thing I, mm-hmm. I just remember now that I want to tell you before about recovery mm-hmm. and everything. Mm-hmm. If you are at a good base level of strength, mm-hmm. then one thing you could try to do, because I, I heard you talking in one of your podcasts. I'm the same way. Mm-hmm. I, I'm not big on, on, on aerobic conditioning or anything like mm-hmm. that. You know, I, I'm, I'm not, I, people ask me, are you a runner? I'm like, no, I'm just, I, I'm, I just do some aerobic conditioning, but right. I don't run, you know, right. but if you you're you have a good level of strength for jujitsu mm-hmm. and you're having trouble with recovery and your sleep is good, your mm-hmm. nutrition is mm-hmm. good, mm-hmm. you're managing your 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 training load pretty good. Mm-hmm. I would try to see if I can increase my aerobic capacity a little okay. bit. Because aerobic capacity, uh your aerobic system drives your recovery. Mm-hmm. So if you have a, a better aerobic system, you're gonna recover better. Okay. So if you have a good baseline aerobic system, it'll recover mm-hmm. better. And there's a lot of different ways to to train your aerobic system. You don't you don't just have to run or do uh, hits. It, it doesn't. Mm-hmm. It isn't just one of those two options. There's a right. lot of different ways to do it. So okay, just just so you know, yeah. So aerobic condition, okay. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. And it doesn't have to be a crazy amount, man. But it helps. It helps with the recovery. Okay. Do you, do you have any like just basic tips yeah, to give to start off? I would say. I mean, for example, okay. Joe Jameson, again, he's like the big guy on mm-hmm. aerobic conditioning for athletes okay, and for combat athletes and mm-hmm. everything. And that book that I told you about. From I got Denver that book. Yeah, back, I bought that. Yeah, I got it. Yeah. The Actually, this one, the ultimate MMA conditioning. Oh, yeah. 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 So he talks about he talks about just that. And um, and I would say probably just for jujitsu, adding in some days. Uh, he says like four days a week, but I think that's too much. But adding in, well, it's not too much. It's just how are you going to fit it all in, you know? Okay. Adding, adding in at least two days to start off of maybe of uh, tempo intervals uh-huh. is a good way of doing it, you okay. know? You know, you, you do a tempo interval where you're training at um, 
130, 140 uh, beats per minute, you know, maybe mm-hmm. a little bit. And then you do that for 45 seconds. Then you do 45 seconds of a push-ups, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. um, a set, you know, then you go back and do another aerobic interval um, uh, and build up your heart rate again, back up to 130, 140. Mm-hmm. Then you do another 45 seconds of another exercise. It could be literally anything. Like I have Pull my guys forever. do, yeah. yeah, I have my guys do nothing too strenuous, but I have mm-hmm. them do like uh, dead bugs. And then mm-hmm. I have them do mm-hmm. Russian twists, you know, mm-hmm. do some ab work. So you do five intervals back and forth like that. And it's a mm-hmm. good recovery session. It helps with your recovery in general, mm-hmm. but it's also working in your aerobic capacity a little bit, you mm-hmm. know, um, you, in that book, good. in, in that, that book, book he, he talks about that a little bit. And okay. actually, um, Chad talks about it too. And yeah. one of his juggernaut Yes. Videos. Yeah. I remember that. Yeah. He showed yeah. that where he was doing, like they were doing the bike and they were doing some exercises in between. I'm going to go back and watch that video actually and get some ideas off that. And you, that aerobic base is yeah. huge, man. It is. And he would do that. I, and I believe he would do that on his off days from the lifting. Mm-hmm. Like he was lifting, he was doing a, a, a push pull where he's squatting and pressing on one day and then doing a, a deadlift in a row on another mm-hmm. day. And he was doing pull-ups every day. Cause he said, I really had to work on that every day. He worked out. And then he would do the uh, the yeah, the temple interval type training yeah. on the off days, yeah. yeah, along with some shoulders and arms or whatever you feel like doing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it, it's some good info. And he, mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure he bases it off of uh, Joe's book too. I mean, Chad knows a crap load too, but mm-hmm. um, they all. I mean, it's it's the same stuff, the same information, really. Mm-hmm. So it's good. It's good That's stuff. Awesome stuff, man. Yeah. Hey, well, I had I really enjoyed this conversation. Yeah, yeah. I got, I got one more question for you. Go for it. So I, I like to draw a little bit and <laughs> I like superhero stuff because I'm a geek. And, <laughs> Me too. And I was wondering, who's your favorite superhero? Oh, man, that's so hard. Uh, my, my true fra- favorite is Batman, but I know everybody says Batman. My a, lot second, people, a lot of people say Batman now. Yeah. yeah. But, go ahead. yeah. but my second favorite, like comic book hero, and he's not necessarily a superhero, mm-hmm. Hellboy. Really? I, that's I, that's I, unique. I fucking... I fucking love Hellboy. I love the comics. They're they're so okay. beautifully drawn and everything. I'm gonna show you, I'm gonna send you some of my art one day. It's not as good as right. yours. I okay. saw I saw yours, but uh, but yeah, I'm gonna show you some of mine too. I wanna see it. I wanna see it, but I'm gonna draw you a Hellboy because I've never drawn Hellboy in my yeah, life. Yeah, yeah. So I'm gonna draw you a Hellboy. I'm nice. Get, I'm gonna get I'm gonna hook you up with that because I have never done that before and that'd be fun. And I've always wanted to do something different. And I've got like three more Batmans I have to do. <laughs> yeah. Everybody, everybody loves Batman. Any and, and yeah, Batman's favorite. Favorite. I mean, Batman is actually my favorite, but yeah. you know, um, did you see the trailer for the new movie yet? The new yeah, trailer that came it. out? Oh man, I was yeah. really excited. That looks like a good long. It, it looks like Long Halloween is, is the storyline behind does. it, which is awesome. Yeah, so. that and Ego. And mm-hmm. uh, yeah, and I actually saw the, the animated Long Halloween recently. It's really good. That's a really yeah. good film. But I'm really looking forward to this. I mean, it's been a long time because of the pandemic and waiting for the new film to come out, but I think it's going to be a good, I think, it, I think we're going mean, to, it's going to be uh, a really good film. Really enjoyable. Yeah. Yeah, I think it will be too. Yeah, I hope they yeah. do the long Halloween justice. So, so that's, I, I think they will. Yeah. It's one of my favorite uh, Batman comics. Mine too. Yeah, mine too. Uh, did you? Well, did you see the uh, Planet of the Eight films that 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 Matt Reeves made? Uh, yeah, I did. Yeah, yeah, the new ones. Freaking yeah, yeah freaking yeah, good awesome. films. So I was so I was yeah. like when I heard he was he was directing the new Batman. I was like, oh, it'll be good. It'll yeah, be the really second good. one yeah. is my favorite out of the mm-hmm. three. Yeah, mine it's, too. It's yeah. an awesome movie. I yeah. mean, I, I I was crying. I'll admit it. Uh, hey, okay. it's all good i cry too but i mean it's like yeah it was uh i just 
I, I wasn't sure, you know, like whatever, what else Matt Reeves did. And I didn't like look into it, but I, I knew that he, that he made those films and I was yeah. like, okay, those films were legit. So this is going to be good. He's so, a really good storyteller. So yeah, yeah, very good. And, and I like how they're doing the more of the, the detective thing with Batman and these, these, this trilogy. So it ought to be really, really, really good films. So yeah. we'll see what happens, but yeah, but Hellboy's, Hellboy's on. I'm going to get it done for yeah. you. Yeah. Give me a, <laughs> give me a couple of weeks to get it to you or so. Or yeah. No rush, months. no rush. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Awesome. And so if people want to get a hold of you, they can find you on Instagram at geo dot the fighters way. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Okay. That's cool. All right, man. Well, I really appreciate this. Uh, this conversation it was a lot of fun. Yeah, it um, was. You know, keep in touch. Obviously we'll, we'll keep talking on Instagram and other stuff and, mm-hmm. uh, We'll come back. We can think of some other stuff to talk about and have another episode. Yeah, that'd be really cool. I love that. All right. right. Awesome. All right. We have a good night. All right. You too. Bye. Bye. (laughs)